Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oil seed and fibre markets. I'm Olivia Agar. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode where we are talking cattle today, specifically discussing some of the crystal ball gazing with the release of new projections for the herd, slaughter and beef production. And Robert Herman is joining me for the catch-up today, so little introduction needed, and we'll kick off with a recap of some of the market movements. This week it's been all about soybeans and South American weather, which continues to be a bit of a thorn in the side of analysts and traders that are trying to get a handle on production estimates of Brazil's soybean crop. The other piece of information that's been assisting the wider oilseed market is the news that Indonesia will restrict palm oil exports as a means to curb soaring cooking oil prices. So together with Malaysia, Indonesia provides 85% of the world's supply of palm oil, which also accounts to 55% of global vegetable oil exports. So we've seen strong price increases across oilseed commodities this week. On the other hand, the wheat market has been following the path of least resistance, heading lower in the absence of any other bullish story. The wool market is on a roll though, following on from last week's strong finish with some solid price increases across all sectors this week. The Eastern market indicator is now back at levels of June 2021 and there seems to be some strong buying competition happening and a lot more confidence in the market. We have plenty of livestock chat ahead today so I'm not going to touch on that now and we will get straight into the episode. Today's sponsor of Commodity Conversations is Cleaver's Organic Meats. All Cleaver's products are sourced from Australian family-owned farms, where animals are raised in free-range environments, are grass-fed from start to finish, and meet the strict animal welfare requirements of the Australian Certified Organic Standard. They offer a wide range of delicious lamb, beef and chicken products. Jump on their website to learn more at www.cleaversorganics.com.au. Well, thanks for joining us today, Rob, to talk about the outlook for cattle because Meat and Livestock Australia just released their first cattle projections for the new year and they're a pretty important tool for us in forming our view on the market. So I think we'll have a bit of a chat today about some of the highlights out of that and what it means for those that have some pretty valuable cattle out in the paddock. Yes, uh, thanks very much, Liv, and it's <clears throat> great to be talking to you. Sorry about the husky voice, but I guess I'm not the only one with that these days. Um, it, just on this whole cattle thing to start with, I mean, it's quite amazing that since the beginning of 2020, and where are we now, the beginning of 2022, we've, we've really been talking about nothing but positive stories about cattle, and that's, I know it's great, but it's unusual that things go on for so long. So... You know, MLA's outlook is important now. Um, I think I think one note I would I would make is that the ABS figures that come out in June will really be something that people will be looking forward to. I think, Liv, because that's where we we get a hundred percent accuracy, if you like, on on what's happening with the herd. Uh, the MLA does a lot of work on projections and uh, and using models to analyse what's happening and, and the changes, you know, using slaughter numbers and, and surveys of growers. But it'll be really interesting, the ABS, because we've had this long, long period, you know, of, of terrific prices. And I guess, to be fair, Liv, they don't look like they're going away anytime soon. 
No, certainly not with the rainfall we've had up north in the last few months. And I think that will be the exciting thing to be watching for when we do get the official ABS slaughter stats coming out is we were already seeing the pickup in the herd rebuild in the north and and the indicator of that was the low female slaughter rate. So that was before we saw all that um, beautiful monsoon rain in the north and and. It'll be interesting to see how that takes off once we get the numbers for the December quarter and the quarter ahead. Yes, exactly. And just speaking about rain, I mean, this rain is, um, look, in some areas it's it's, it's caused difficulty and, and damage, but the overall impact is that we do have a, a really good wet monsoon season in that area. And the reason we talk about it so much is that, you know, that's where most of the cattle are. So if something's going good or bad in that area, it impacts on all of our cattle. I was talking this week to um, to Simon Quilty, who uh, who does a looking at a lot of this sort of stuff, Liv, and um, he has a slightly different view, and it'd be interesting, to, and we discussed it, but he's a slightly different view in that, he thinks there are a lot of cattle, a lot more cattle were impacted. I mean, to be honest, drowned in that floods of last year. And he thinks that is going to impact on the herd rebuild in the north. Now, I'm not 100% agreeing with him. I think, I think you know, there were certainly cattle that were destroyed. And he makes the point. He says it's, it doesn't discriminate which cattle get killed in a flood, whether it's your best cattle or your worst cattle, whereas... If people are destocking, then they're starting from their worst cattle. So he thinks it might be a bit slower than where we are now. But it's interesting. We're, you know, we're moving up. And Angus's article today is um, talking about those projections is really informative, I think. Yeah, and just to highlight some of those numbers in the report, Rob, I mean, the, the herd figure is always the headline one. And so we had the two years of decline in the herd side so, and then the cattle herd was expected to have grown 6% from 2020 to 2021, Mm -hmm. which takes the herd back to 2019 levels. But then it's another 4% we're expected to see this year. So it's that continued growth, but it is uh, expected to be a slower rate. So it's not quite the pace that we were originally expecting. So what do you think is the story behind those sort of numbers? What we noticed that was interesting was even after the drought broke, if you remember all through 2020, we still had a really high female slaughter. And, you know, in, in trying to think about that, you think, well, why is that? Because, you know, with, with the droughts breaking and, and the, num- the herd was already low, if you look at, you know, how low it got, got down to sort of 24 million or around 24 million in 2019, but one of the one of the things that happens when a drought breaks live is that the cows aren't they don't get in calf as easily uh, coming out of a drought as what they would if you had a consecutive run of good years. So what was happening then, I think, is that there was a lot of empty cows. You know, once cows were preg tested, they're empty, and of course, with the escalating prices. Um, there was an incentive for farmers to um, to cash those cows in. So they kept selling females and they were empty and um, they weren't going to contribute to the breeding that year anyway. But it still meant that we were de- that the herd was in some sort of decline. And you can understand a farmer doing that or a cattle producer doing that because they've had, you know, some tough years where they've been buying hay or grain or, or paying for adjustment. And all of a sudden you've got an empty cow in your property 
um, you might look at her and think, gee, if, if, if I, I'd love to keep her and, and get her back in calf next year and the, and the years after, but um, I'll take the cash. And, and so that meant that we, we had this slower recovery happening. Um, but, you know, the, even I notice Angus makes the point that uh, even with that growth, Liv, we're still well below the numbers that were around in 2014. Yeah, and you're absolutely right with that point. You know, grass doesn't grow overnight as soon as the drought breaks and the breeding cycle certainly doesn't happen overnight. It's not like, you know, the sheep flock where that cycle is a lot quicker. It does take a long time for the cattle herd to rebuild. And that is being reflected in the numbers as well, where you see in the south where they had that, the earlier break, the better seasons, the herd growth down there is happening at a much quicker rate than it has up north. So what we're looking at going or in 2022 now is that some of those calves that were sort of spring 2020, autumn 2021, they're coming to process a weight. So the second half of this year, we should start to see that supply start to pick up. Yes, MLA is forecasting cattle sorted to to pick up um, but I think what we'll find is it'll still be somewhat constrained it won't, it's not as you say things don't happen overnight especially in, in the livestock fields so um, it's going to be interesting to watch how uh, those those slaughter numbers come through um, and I think the point that's been made to me a, a little bit of, of late is that the northern cattle herd where most of the cattle are as we know it's it's not that easy to get a really strong handle on what's happening property by property. You know, they're, they're vast expanses, they're remote. Um, and, and we know that those cattle people are very good at doing what they do and they get on with their job um, and, and adjust to the seasons as they go. But understanding that from a, from a data point of view and trying to model it is, is a little bit more difficult than if you're talking about the inside country down, down south. So, That'll be something to watch, I think. Um, the 10-year projections, oh, sorry, their longer projections are that uh, sort of will get back to a 10-year average by then. So I guess what we'll be wondering, Liv, is, you know, as the slaughter ramps up, how's demand going to go? But it is a fair way ahead. Yeah, and, you know, in the short term, really we're seeing that that demand is supporting price and there's not much huge downside in the short-term price outlook, but... What we don't know is the real driver of our prices uh, in a normal season, and that's the export markets and how they're playing out. And, you know, our prices are always going to fall back to export parity, so that's going to be the unknown going forward when we do have that stronger supply years coming up. Yeah, and look, we have been, this last two-year period we talked about has been not only impacted by the breaking of the drought and the and the subsequent grass grass grow and pasture growth but we've also had you know a, a stronger demand live than perhaps what some people were thinking of back when we first went into this covid situation and and that's still a bit of a mystery to a lot of people i think you know we we really don't know how um how markets are going to play out in this this situation and uh, because the we are in it is somewhat uncharted waters. But that said, you know, the, the Australian cattle producer has probably got a lot of incentive to keep uh, keep on keeping on and building the herd, I think. You know, it, it looks like it's a positive time ahead. 
Yeah, definitely. And and some of the highlights that MLA were talking about as well were the emerging countries where we're seeing strong demand um, already in the past year, like South Korea and Indonesia. So it's once again, it's the story of diverse export markets really putting us in a fortunate position in that we can ride out these times and have a strong base of demand. Yes, and that's even brought home more starkly with the, the, the announcement this week that teas in South Australia have been put on China's uh, naughty list and won't be, won't be able to send beef in there. Um, I, I think, you know, there's no doubt that that's not ideal for the Australian industry. We'd, as you point out, Liv, we'd like to have as many markets as you possibly can. But in developing those diverse markets, it means that we do have some sort of a cushion uh, when one market decides that they're not going to operate again. We saw that with the lamb market, Liv, when, you know, the the, the lamb to Qatar was Qatar when there was changes in the tariffs and, and the market support there. So you're right, the, the MLA efforts and, and others who work in that space um, are really important, uh, whether it's reducing tariffs, whether it's opening up market access, whether it's making product available. And, um, and that's the underpinning demand factor for sure yeah yep absolutely and you know stepping back and looking at the story overall that was um released in these projections it's more supply coming onto the market in the years ahead but really a strong base of demand and and positive times ahead for those that have got cattle in the paddock yeah, um, I mean, what a what a great story. What a great industry to be in. And, I mean, we're saying the same about the sheep industry as well now. Um, for all the um, the wizened old hard heads that have been hanging around for years, um, they, these are times that, you know, we only dreamt of. And, um, and it's going to mean that the investment in, in the industry and the uh, efforts to create greater resilience and uh, be able to get through the tough times are being can be built in when you have these sorts of conditions and you know we've got good seasons so people can put weight on cattle uh they can breed cattle and we've got good demand and good markets so um again i um i always get a little bit nervous Liv, when we're sort of talking so positively about agriculture mainly because of the long i've been looking at it for a long time and you do get you know a kick up the backside every now and then when something happens but Right now, if you've got live animals, whether they be sheep or cattle, you're pretty happy, I think. Yep, that's a pretty good summary, Rob, and a pretty good place to end off, I think. So thanks so much for joining me today to have a chat about the cattle market, and we'll talk to you again soon. Great to talk, Liv. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Commodity Conversations. If you're looking for more detailed information on commodity markets, you can head to the Mercado website and pick up a premium subscription, which will give you full access to all our archive of reports, as well as all the fresh analysis as it's delivered and access to our team of analysts. Thanks again, and until next week, take care.